listening to Out of the Box Podcast with Rosie Tran. Out of the Box is sponsored by HugMeTees.com. Spread love, give a hug, HugMeTees.com. Guys, don't forget to go on our iTunes and subscribe. Subscribing and leaving positive comments is the best way for other people to find out about the podcast. And as always, we're on SoundCloud and Stitcher. Today, I'm here with a basic income advocate, Scott Santon. Scott, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm really excited to have you on. I've been trying to get you on, for, and we've had some technical difficulties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, so for those of you, the listeners who are listening who don't know what basic income is, what would you de- how would you describe it um, in layman's terms? Sure. Uh, a, a basic income is, a, uh, is essentially a salary for citizens um, on an individual level without means testing, um, you know, without any conditions for work. And it's essentially creating a, a, a an income floor above the poverty line. Mm-hmm. Now, I am a huge supporter of basic income because I, you know, think it levels the playing field. But uh, to a lot of people, do, you know, what about the question of whether or not that sounds like socialism, giving everyone kind of a paycheck for not, quote unquote, doing anything? Yeah. So one of the uh, one of the things that's very appealing about this idea is that there's actually you know there's a lot of uh, support from this idea on the you know both the right and the left and part of it from uh, even from those who are considered to be you know very much free market supporters those like Milton Friedman and uh, Friedrich Hayek this is uh, you know considered essentially a a market solution this is you know using markets this is this is uh, giving people money not giving people stuff, you know, not giving people, uh, you know, houses or, uh, you know, services or something that's saying, here's cash and you use these in markets to, uh, to use what you, uh, you know, what is most important to you. And that actually, actually strengthens markets. It, uh, gives a better signals as to supply and demand. And it's a, you know, it's a very capitalistic solution. It just, uh, makes it work better. So what I'm hearing you say is that instead of giving housing vouchers or food stamps or all these things that we're giving now to kind of supplement lower income people, it's just it's solving the problem in a way by by giving cash. Yes. Like uh, there's I would say nobody knows what they most need except for, you know, that person themselves individually. You know, a bureaucrat does not necessarily know what's best for you. Now we like to we like to think that you know we do like to think that oh you know I know what's best for you I know that that you know you need let's say uh, $200 per month for food that can only be used for food and nothing else and uh, it's it can only be used for for healthy food and not you know what I consider to be unhealthy food or you know there's a whole lot of these these paternalistic choices involved in a, in the way we currently do things and. You know, cash just allows people to figure out what it is that's the most important to them. You know, maybe someone wants to use that money on, you know, starting their own business, or maybe they want to, to you know, eat uh, a little bit less that month in order to cover something else. Like, um, you know, maybe they want to. What's maybe what's important to them is going to school, or, or you know, coming up with some some uh, you know grand idea of theirs that they just need to use some some starting capital for. There's just just uh, allows people to be very creative. There's so many different things to do. It's an infinite amount of possibilities with cash, whereas these other things that you do, you know, are very limiting. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're taking a uh, bureaucratic system and deregulating it so that it's not 
because all of those uh, institutions, you know, the Federal Housing Authority, you know, the um, Food Stamp Office, those are all different government entities. And what you're advocating sounds like a streamlined approach. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this would... This would eliminate uh, the need for for over a hundred different programs that we have right now. And it would Are there also... over a hundred different programs? Oh yes, yes there. <laughs> oh no, I didn't realize it was that bad. <laughs> yeah, you're, there's if you find there there's a list out there that you can find where it's just just uh, it seems like this this infinitely long list of things that we're spending money on, you know, and it's just all means tested it's all uh it's so many people you know it's stuff people don't even know about it's stuff that you know few people qualify for it's just there's a, a whole lot of, of bureaucracy out there and it all costs money too it's, it's all you know it's 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 essentially we're creating jobs uh you know bureaucratic jobs that don't need to exist in order to stamp papers <laughs> right right um well this is very out of the box thinking and also what I like about it is that it's very non-judgmental because, um, like you said, right now our system is very paternalistic and saying, "Hey, you deserve money, or you don't deserve money, and and you deserve money for this, and you deserve money for that." Um, whereas this is saying, you know, I'm giving you the set amount, and you have the freedom to do with it whatever you want. Yeah. And, and so we're not judging what people decide to do with their that basic income. Another thing I like about it is that it values work that isn't paid there's a lot of work you know i'm an artist there's people who are writers um and other things stay-at-home moms and they're not currently compensated in our system that is in effect right now yeah that's just it there there really is there's so much work going on right now that is unpaid and underpaid and uh, you know basic income will actually recognize that and not only recognize it but uh, enable even more of it you know I would argue that that there's so much work right now that people are doing that is uh, either harmful or unnecessary yes and <laughs> and they would rather be doing much more valuable work if they only had that real choice so that's one way it's one reason I really like this idea too is that it'll enable people to to choose to be able to choose the, to do the work that's more valuable, and uh, yeah, I think that's such a great example of just like podcasting. Um, you know, this is something that that people do because it's uh, they enjoy it and they you know it's a passion and you know it's something that provides meaning and it's not necessarily paid at all. And in fact, even if you use something like Patreon, I mean, it, it can take time to. To build up a, a a base of fans that like your work enough to, that you can actually live off doing it. Whereas with a basic income, everybody has that floor already, and they can actually focus on these things. And that's what it is: is that you really you need time, to especially to to do these things. You need the resources to do these things. Like if you like, imagine how many, let's say, you know, vloggers out there or something, you know, just waiting to to be able to create these like great video essays that we see uh, on YouTube that could really make a difference even in people's lives, you know, and, and they're not able to do that right now because they're, let's say, forced to, to uh, you know, work for uh, an oil company or something like that and, you know, barely, barely pay the, they pay the bills or something. And there's work just... Work as a janitor or work as something that they really have no passion or desire to do, but they're doing it just to put, you know, food on the table or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just imagine, uh, I like to think of, like, um, you know what would what is the cost to let's say even humanity if if there's just one 
you know, new Einstein out there that's actually forced to flip burgers or something in order just to to get by and you know, help the help the family get by. And you know, what if we could unleash even that one person to 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 do all that like incredible work that that they would be doing otherwise? Like, I, I just think there's so much potential out there that's just completely untapped right now because you know they're not able to to do that. It is. And I think that it's, you know, you're talking about also a very optimistic version of it. What about, you know, critics of basic income that would say it would just enable people to be lazy, sit around, do drugs? You know, um, I believe in the human spirit. And I think the Internet has proven that, you know, just the amount of creative upstarts and businesses and things that have been created from nothing after the Internet kind of leveled the playing field with with um, cost of getting into entrepreneurship and other things like that. I, I don't believe, I think there probably would be a small percentage of the population that would do nothing or do drugs or whatever. But I mean, when those people do it anyway, I don't think basic income would enable them to do that more. Oh, sure. This is, you know, there's a, a couple of ways to, to look at this. Uh, for one, if you just look at like evidence. So you say, okay, so when we, when we give people money uh, without strings, what happens? Like, what is the evidence out there? And we see there's even been a meta-analysis uh, done this done by the World Bank of unconditional cash transfers and you know programs uh, all over the world. And it, it's just we don't see in in, in any increase in um, in these uh, purchases of of alcohol, you know, drugs and tobacco and things. And people are very responsible in in what they what they want to purchase. You know, it's people are. Are not these, you know, you're not just looking to 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 use drugs or whatever. In fact, if you look at, um, you know, that kind of the why people even use drugs, a lot of it, I think, is is really created out of this this complete, you know, uh, very stressful environments, uh, impoverished environments. Um, I point to this this uh, this study of, you know, called Rat Park that I think uh, provides a very good example. Whereas, you know, back in the day, maybe people have seen these kind of commercials or, or heard of these studies where they uh, put rats in cages and they they gave them, uh, you know, drugs to use and they just used the drugs to the point until uh, they died. And so, you know, you sell this as, oh, my gosh, see, drugs are so dangerous. We've got to to get rid of these. You know, people just don't they'll just use drugs and, and that's it. And, uh, you know, someone got this idea like, well, maybe like. The fact that a rat is alone in a cage might have something to do with this. <laughs> poor, I know. When you first told me about the study, the first thing I was seeing was poor Mr. Rat. <laughs> They're yeah. just like stuffing drugs inside him. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this other group of rats got a much better experiment where they were a better living uh, situation. Yeah, and they they credit they tried to create essentially like a like a, a heaven or something for a paradise for rats where. They, you know, gave them plenty of food, and they had lots of rat friends, and there was like a big environment. It wasn't a small cage, and there was, uh, you know, plenty of, plenty of like toys, and and there's just everything you could you could want for as a rat. And then they introduced drugs into that, and they didn't want the drugs. They specifically didn't want the effect of these drugs. They chose to drink, you know, clean, uh, you know, clear water. They were already naturally high on a happy life. And I am, you know, have personal experience with this when I've had to work, you know, dead end or deadbeat jobs just to pay bills. I want to go do drugs or get high. I'm like, I want to escape my life when I'm, (laughs) you know, podcasting or doing my comedy or doing things that I'm passionate about. I definitely feel very happy. And I 
it's like that's the last thing on my mind when you're in a creative space or in you know maybe you're not a creative person but you have a passion that you know maybe taking care of others or you know taking care of your kids or whatever it is you feel a sense of purpose where you don't want anything to mess with that sense of purpose yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's, if you look at even just motivation itself and how you can, you know, there's extrinsic motivation and intrinsic motivation, where extrinsic motivation is this, uh, how we, we do things because of, of some kind of external reward, like most usually money or some kind of, you know, maybe a ribbon or, or something that, you know, you do this for. But an intrinsic motivation is when you, you you do things because you want to do them that they are their own reward that uh you can split this into you know autonomy mastery and purpose where you do things because you know it's 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 you yourself that that are wanting to do it and that you want to get better at something um that's just you know that's its own enjoyment why people will you know, even if they're exhausted, they might pick up a guitar and, you know, they'll they'll teach themselves and they'll keep doing it over and over and over again. And it's hard work, but they're doing it because they want to get better at it. And, you know, for purpose, like we do things because it, it makes us it's something that's bigger than ourselves. Like, why do all these people contribute so much to Wikipedia? You know, they're not getting paid for it. And in fact, when they when they uh, have polled those who contribute and, and edit for free to, to Wikipedia, that's why you do it. And like the, the, the biggest reason actually is because they're not getting paid. So they're doing it because they're not getting paid. Like that, that, that uh, you know, there's that joy of doing something to, to help, like to be a part of something bigger. And that's really what's, uh, what's driving like Wikipedia. And, and I think that, that uh, we should enable more of that like what else could people be doing if they weren't tied down to um to this other work so when you ask like why would people just be lazy uh you know this there's that fear out there and i think that that uh it, it really it's a matter of looking at at, at work versus jobs and just because you have a job does not mean that you're doing work or it doesn't mean you're doing valuable work like you could even be sitting around uh getting paid to do something or you know what you could be being paid to do could be harmful, but as soon as you don't have to do these jobs, that you you can actually choose to work. And there's just so much like incredible, creative and and valuable and care work out there that people could be doing if they were free to do that. There is, and I think people have this sense. You know, I think that that question that people have, or I've heard that question with basic income. Well, wouldn't people just sit around and be lazy, or wouldn't people just sit around? and do drugs all day and, you know, our society would collapse. <laughs> but, you mm -hmm. know, I think that the human spirit is really stronger than that. We can see that with disasters. Whenever a disaster happens, all these people come out of the woodwork and volunteer and want to help. And I think, as you said, with intrinsic motivation, most people want to do something. That's why there's such a high depression rate among people who are, you know, unemployed because they feel the sense that they don't they don't have any value. They're not contributing something to society. So I think people do want to work like you said, but they don't want to have just a job. They don't want to just, you know, flip burgers or, or put a mop around or work at some corporation where they're just clicking things or or basically being a paper pusher. They want to do something meaningful. And so that's what I really, really love about the idea of basic income. Um, now, you're the yeah. expert, so I want to ask you, um, are there any studies that you know of that have proven a basic income model could work sustainably? 
Oh sure, there's there's a lot of different uh, I would call it pieces of the of the puzzle out there um, as far as as basic income goes. Like um, I, I like to to point to Alaska as a very good example. That's one of your more longer term um, kind of it's a partial basic income, but everyone in Alaska has been receiving an annual dividend, uh, a universal amount given to every Alaskan every year since 1982. And a lot of people don't even know that. But, uh, yeah, that's been happening for a long time. It's been averaging. Where is the dividend coming from? Is it from oil money or is it coming from the U.S. government or – yeah, what they do is uh, they they take a portion of the money that uh, Alaska earns from essentially uh, leasing out their their oil fields to the companies, you know, to drill for oil, and they put that into a, a big fund, a permanent fund, and that fund is invested in the markets, and then just like you would from having stock, you know, you earn a dividend from that stock, and so this giant fund earns a huge dividend, and then everyone actually gets a percentage, you know, gets their cut of that dividend. And it's the same for every man, woman, and, and child in Alaska. And it's averaged about $1,000 a year. And even the most recent one was around $2,100 uh, for the year. So household of five, that's over $10,000. And it's from the, you know, from the, essentially the, the state of Alaska. And, uh, yeah, they can use that money any way they choose. And it's interesting to see, like, what what happens when that that money goes out? What do they spend it on? What is um how do people treat it? Um, what are the effects? And Alaska has shown that you know, they are they are usually towards you know the the lowest in, in poverty, the lowest in inequality, and uh, the highest in in happy in happiness as far as uh, as far as that goes, as far as the you know rating the states go in that way. Like they live more meaningful lives. They're they're less insecure. They're more social, healthier. I think a lot, of, a lot of that is to do with uh, this knowing that they have at least something every year instead of nothing, and people use that to, you know, purchase, um, you know, school supplies or uh, something like a dishwasher, or you know, they they count on that every year as part of their salary. And you know, companies, it's a big stimulus to the economy every year where companies will have like sales and hope that people spend their money you know, there instead of somewhere else. And it's uh, it's just it's a very successful program. And it even gets people out to the polls more because they want to make sure that, you know, no one ever uh, has touches that program. Don't mess that, with our basic income. <laughs> right. So it's been very popular over the years. Like Sarah Palin, when she was governor, uh, put out the biggest one ever because she actually provided a bonus to it as well. So that year it was well over $3,000 per person. And it sounds like a good idea because you know the people of alaska are are they live in alaska and they're part of that land lease so it's like a a, almost like a a profit sharing for you know right and that's that's how i look at basic income too is that i i would i like to call it like a think of it as like a prosperity dividend where you know we've had we have developed all these technologies over the decades to the point where we're actually worried about it putting us out of our out of our jobs, which is weird because the entire point of technology is to do more with less and to enable us to be more free, I would argue. So, you know, let's use all this technology and instead of worrying about unemploying us, I mean, let's just make sure that everybody gets their share of the benefits of this technology, of this of this greater continually growing prosperity. I am glad you mentioned that because, you know, there's constant talk, especially right now with the political debate and the presidential election coming up 
about unemployment being an issue. Mm-hmm. And I would say if we continue um, AI, robotics, um, you, you know, technology advancements, then unemployment would naturally increase, right? I mean, just think about 50, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, when, or, or think about the past 100 years where automation has outsourced you know, hundreds and thousands of automotive jobs, you know, remember, remember in the fifties, I don't know if you've ever watched any movies from mm-hmm. the fifties, there's like an elevator yeah. operator. We don't need an elevator operator anymore to push the button or crank the elevator. Mm-hmm. So all of this technological advances are actually making more unemployment. And yet we're saying unemployment is an issue. So this can help solve that, that problem of these unemployed people by, instead of, you know, being so desperate going and looking for work or trying to fill some, you know, nonsensical job. We're creating, like you said, government bureaucratic jobs. It's saying, Hey, you're taken care of. Go like create something, go do something. Right. Yeah. I like to, um, I like to look at this too, is it's, we need to, we need to change the way that we look at at just work in general. And again, the fact that we're even afraid of unemploying ourselves with technology is just kind of weird to me. It's kind of when you really think about it, and like here we are worried about how, let's say, um, you know, we'll we'll lose half of our jobs over, you know, in 20 years, as uh, you know, a lot of estimates are are saying. So at the same time, we could also just all work half as long, and then we'd have the same employment level. You know, like this is we don't have to work 40 hours a week. We just yes. for some reason <laughs> along the way. Like, yes. That yes. became normal. So I, I wish I could put a little <laughs> applause break. I'm gonna tell my uh, audio guy put an applause break edit in here right now for Scott. <laughs> yes, right. yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so the thing about basic income too is when people are worried about oh they'll work less and like well okay if you choose to work less with your basic income great because again if this automation is coming in and we should be looking at that differently at the same time if we say let's say mandate that a work week has to be 20 hours per week, then that's a different kind of situation because then some people don't want to only work 20 hours, you know, in their job. And maybe they don't want like two jobs that are both 20 hours or, you know, but if they have the flexibility and the choice, then someone could say, hey, I only want to work 10 hours a week and, you know, I'm not going to earn much above my basic income, but that's fine. And then someone else will be like, well, you know, I actually want to buy a whole lot of things and I like my job. And so I'll work, you know, 40 hours a week and maybe even do a part time job where it's an extra 20 hours a week. So I'll work 60 hours a week. But I just really love, you know, to be busy and I like earning all this money and that's fine. And so let's create that flexibility where people can actually have greater choice over where they work, how they work, you know, the conditions of the of, of their work and the wages that they'll work for it, too. That's another big thing is that if you give people the choice to actually say no to work and there's that actual ability to not work, then all of a sudden you don't even necessarily need something like a minimum wage. Like if someone is saying, look, this is a terrible job and you're only offering seven dollars an hour for me to do it. So I'm not going to do it. I will do it, however, if you offer me fifteen dollars an hour or if uh, if it's 20 hours a week instead of 40 hours a week, like then I'll do that job, but otherwise, no. So this actually creates that bargaining power to actually lift up wages and salaries for jobs that people don't like. Because and in people fact, are not so desperate. They're not so yeah. desperate that they have to take the $7 an hour. They right. have another option. Right, and it also option. creates a situation too. Yeah, and then because of technology as well, 
and how uh, you know it's getting cheaper and cheaper to essentially unemploy people with robots and, and technology and software. Then also that introduces this ability to say, hey, if people, if humans don't want to do these jobs uh, at a cheap enough rate, then let's invest in technology to do it. And so then actually we are, are welcoming this unemployment for machines. We say, hey, yes, let the machines do this job because we don't want to. Nobody and, wants to do it. It's been, you know, everyone has their basic income and now no one's applying for these jobs. And so it either right. creates and as long as we a don't demand have, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And as long as we don't have a basic income, we're actually trying to keep these jobs. Like even if we know that we shouldn't, that these jobs shouldn't exist and that a, a machine could actually do them, then it's actually important to us to keep them. Like I think about this whenever I, I go through a drive-thru and I can barely understand like the other person, like the speakers are really bad. <laughs> And, you know, they, I, they get the order wrong or whatever. It's like, what? Hey, no, I want this. What? And I'm thinking, if I had just an interface out here, I could push in my own order. Like, they don't need to have this job, but they do need it because they need money earner to live. So let's just, like, change the situation so that we actually are encouraging the elimination of these jobs. Yes, and I agree with that. And there are so many jobs out there that are just completely silly you know there's some there's some jobs that have been eliminated that I think you really really do need a person there's a lot of customer service jobs I know everyone here has called a helpline and you get the automated lady and she's like you know give give me your account number and you say one two three six what did you say five seven eight you're like no (laughs) yeah but a a lot of these places too and I I think this will be pretty much a a common thing as well is that uh, again technology enables to do more with less so if you we can have these these artificially intelligent you know customer service kind of systems where for the most part for most of our questions can be answered by a machine and we're fine with that but then if we if we really want a human you can push the button and then you know maybe the company will have you know a, a handful of of humans that they that they pay for you know those who absolutely have to speak to someone and, and it can't be handled by by machines but we can actually offload so much of this stuff uh, onto machines instead I do and it's it's so funny because people are a little bit reluctant with some other technology I know in my post office they now have the stamp machine that can do everything the teller can do mm-hmm. and and people will still stand in line for the with the teller and they'll get frustrated and complain how long the line is <laughs> I'm like, you know, you guys can go to the stamp machine that does every single thing the teller does, but um, it, it just right, right, <laughs> I, yeah. I think there's a generational difference there too. I, I think that uh, you know, it's just older generations are are used to doing things the way that they've always been done, and then younger generations keys to this newer way of doing things. So you're just like nowadays, I'm sure there are there are there's an entire generation who has has grown up like using like the self checkouts and like grocery stores and you know as, as adults whatever they're going to be like why why would i go through like why would i go through it and have someone ring me up when i can just do it so much you know it was faster like going through the the self checkout like that's normal and so we're just going to be creating like this this new normal and it's going to involve less and less uh human labor i think Yes, and especially human low-skilled labor. I don't think people right. want to do these jobs. They don't want to do these jobs. They would prefer to get – I mean, I, I think you would be crazy to prefer to do some of these really menial and, and in my opinion, de, you know, degrading jobs when you can get a basic income and go and do something that you care about or are passionate about. But not just that. I think basic income makes us question – a lot of fabrics of our basic conventional society that we've assumed for so long. Like you said, there's a lot of assuming 
There's an assumption that we need to work 40 hours. There's an assumption, a conventional assumption that people need to have a quote unquote job, even if it's meaningless or, um, or boring or mind numbing. And that's just silly. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a just a huge amount of people, you know, over over half or well over half are, are like disconnected from their jobs. Like, there's just there's no real there's no real interest. There. There's no real motivation. And that's another thing too that I think is interesting about this possibility is that so for as far as like the worry of let's say people uh, being lazy and not doing work. Okay, so this is interesting where right now we do have a situation where, where because people have to have jobs. There are people doing jobs that hate them and are therefore, you know, just hugely unproductive. They have no interest in doing them, and it's just, they're actually just doing very little amount of work, but they're getting paid. And meanwhile, there are people who can't find a job who actually would be really productive in that position. They would want that job, but they can't get it because there aren't enough jobs. So then if you create this situation with basic income so that those without jobs who really want them – can find them because those positions are opened up from the people who don't want those jobs, who don't want them at all, and will just have their basic income and find you know, other things to do. Then we create a you know, very much more productive and a happier situation where people who want jobs are able to find them and able to do them and perform them, and the ones who would otherwise you know, be in these jobs and hating them and just hating their lives and even you know, making customers miserable because they <laughs> – Really, because if you hate your job, care, yeah, yeah it, it comes off that way. Um, so let's just change that situation. It is. So I think there needs to be a shift in consciousness and a shift in the general overall acceptable, quote unquote, conventional ideas about things to be able to accept. It. And I think that's why there's still, you know, a lot of people still don't know about basic income or know what it is. So that's why I wanted mm -hmm. to have you on the show to just talk about it, because, you know, I would I. I'm a huge supporter of basic income. I, I love the idea. I think it would solve so many problems that I constantly see or hear about in our current political system. I'm like, oh, why don't they just put a basic income? But I, <laughs> I did not know about it until the past, I would say, two years. So it's, yeah. it's still gaining traction. It's still you know a new idea. Um, let's talk about some of the logistics of it. Um, sure. What do you think would be the basic income amount that each person – is that up to Congress? You have no idea. Yeah, yeah. So this is something that it varies from country to country. It's up to you know each country to decide. And again, this is a worldwide thing with countries all over that are looking into this. And in the U.S., I think it's a I think it's a helpful starting place to look at the way that we already do things. So we already have a defined federal poverty guidelines, and, and these are it's a it's a, around twelve thousand dollars for for one person. You know, a household of two is sixteen thousand dollars. Household of three is twenty thousand dollars. Like this is your this is the way that we have defined our needs, you know, our welfare system. So it would be enough to meet the basic needs per that guideline currently. Right. So if we if the if the federal poverty guideline is eleven thousand eight hundred eighty dollars, it is now, and then we give everybody twelve thousand dollars, then essentially we have eliminated poverty for you know individuals. And so then I also think it's important to have this uh, partial basic income or child basic income or child allowance for kids as well. Which is would essentially scale for household sizes, and you know, so that you could end poverty 
as well for these you know varying uh, amounts of household sizes. I think that's important. Um, so and that's another part of this that's uh, you know it's debatable. Some people like the idea of having also a, a base game for kids, and others will say no, they should get nothing and it should be only under you know uh, over 18 and that's it. Like that's part of this discussion. But I do think personally that we should start with around $1,000 a month uh, as a basic income in the U.S. for it to be considered a basic income. Like if we started with $500 a month for everybody, I wouldn't consider that a basic income. That would be a partial basic income. Okay. So I think it has to be high enough to cover basic needs, yeah. That makes sense. And what about where does this money come from? Do you think eliminating all of the current uh, bureaucracies and other programs would would account for this, where we wouldn't have to have an increased tax or, or any shuffling around of current affairs? Oh, sure. So if we actually got rid of or actually we didn't have to get rid of these things. If you just consider it, if we just gave everybody $12,000 a year of basic income and you look at it as in, you know, how many programs would they qualify for with that? Because essentially in order to qualify these programs, you have to be earning, uh, you know, less enough. You have to be earning, let's say, $300 a month or $500 a month and you get this, whatever. So just getting this money would mean that you no longer qualify for all these programs. So that's really just an easy way of like, essentially nobody would be qualifying for food stamps anymore. So then you'd no longer have food stamps. You know, that's that's covered. So we, we do actually spend a lot of money that we wouldn't need to spend anymore with a basic income. That's entirely. And there's also money that we could do partially. So this is something like Social Security. So I wouldn't we, we couldn't just eliminate all of Social Security and cover basic income, but we could do it partially. So, you know, if someone uh, is a, if and social a, if a security, senior, social security is in, in a way a form of basic income. Oh, sure. Yeah, it is yeah. essentially a basic income for for seniors. It just so we're, varies we're kind of doing according it to contribution. We're, we're kind we're kind of doing it already, but this would re- rework it. Right. Yeah. One way of thinking about it uh, for those who are new to the idea is to think about it of Social Security for all. You know, that that is a, a way of thinking about it. It's just where Social Security does vary. So someone could get, uh, you know, a thousand dollars Social Security. Another person could get two thousand dollars Social Security. Another person could actually get zero. Like not everybody gets Social Security. You know, most people do. So th- this is it's kind of like that. But then when I say that we could partially eliminate Social Security, like let's say somebody's getting. $1,500 a month in Social Security. So instead, we could give them $1,000 of basic income, just like everybody else, and then they would get $500 of Social Security on top of it. So then, and then they phase, would phase them out, phase out Social Security. Right. So yeah, so they would have the exact same amount those who already have it, and then of course with the basic income, then we would look at okay, so how do we want to handle, um, you know, our our retirements and pensions in a post basic income world? Like, do we want to rely on private stuff? Do we want to even shift uh, Social Security to something else? Like, should we have it anymore? Should we have like an additional basic income for seniors? Like, there's a whole lot of choices to make in this post-basic income world with this. But as far as like actually funding the initial basic income, you know, at the start, there is that a lot of money in Social Security that we could shift to it. And so that could actually cover, you know, quite a bit as well. And there's also all these tax credits and and deductions and subsidies and, and loopholes in the, in the tax code that we don't need anymore as well like we have the you know the earned income tax credits and the 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 child uh, deduction and we've got like the you know the home mortgage interest rate deduction and you know these kind of things actually benefit those with greater incomes you know more than those uh, with less incomes. 
Like um, it's just it's a an inequitable situation, mm-hmm. and we actually you know create perverse uh, or incentives we don't want as well. Like we it is distortionary to have subsidies. You know if we why are we giving money to let's say um, uh, agricultural companies to let's you know make corn so cheap that we could you know flood the world's markets with like cheap corn or whatever and put corn in in everything you know possible because we just have so much corn. You know? <laughs> Like, uh, why don't we just give people money instead so that they could just afford, you know, the, the cost food. of this higher corn. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so actually, that's actually why, uh, you know, India is looking at this a- a- as well. And if the way they would do it is they have actually so many subsidies in place and they're spending so much of the GDP on subsidies that they're just really like, why don't we just get rid of all these and just pay people cash instead? And so that's most likely the way that it'll work in, in India. But in the U.S., like, again, we so we you simplify the tax code. That's a great way to do it. We, we really shift away current programs. It's a way to do it. But also there's actually tons of taxes, like way like a, a, we've got a lot of options, really. What I'm really hearing you say is that this is a bipartisan program because it's supporting uh, a lot of ideology on the left, a lot of socialist ideology, and it's supporting a lot of um ideology on the right with with bureaucracy eliminating bureaucracy simplifying government smaller government i hear mm-hmm. i hear that it is a program that is very bipartisan am i wrong on that no yeah basic income is not left or right it's forward i mean this is an idea that everybody can can get around uh, and it's um you know that's why it's really interesting finding articles about this as well like for anyone who's new to this like look it up like go Check out like uh, you know reddit.com slash r slash basic income and there's just just so many articles there and both like, for and against and you'll see that there are those you know on the left and the right who like it and also those on the left and the right who don't like it. There's it's just it's it's its own idea. It's such a kind of a fundamental um, all-encompassing idea. It's just like you know how could like drinking water or something be, <laughs> be polarizing? You know, it's just we all need it. We all need this. So you can it does. It does solve a lot of problems. I want to talk about the vote that came up last year or this year at the beginning of the year that was unfortunately voted against. Basic income came up for the very first time as a vote. And it did not pass. What went wrong? Yeah. You think people are not informed enough? Oh, no. So I, I actually went to Switzerland uh, for this and I was there on the ground um, uh, when they voted for this. And yeah, they they voted 23.1 percent voted yes. And, you know, and the rest said went said no. But that was actually that's actually it's a it's a big deal. And it was considered, uh, you know, a win as well, because it was it was thought that it would be even, even smaller than that. And this is like the first time around. And this is a new idea. And this really it really accelerated the conversation on the entire worldwide you know, basis. You know, so many other countries are talking about this now because of this. And, you know, the, the reason that I feel that it, uh, you know, it didn't pass is, you know, we're just not ready for this yet. Just like uh, I, I wrote an article afterwards about this. And it's interesting to look at, at uh, Switzerland's past. So, Again, the way that they were able to vote on this was because they all they got enough signatures involved. Uh, it was over 100,000 signatures in order to put this on the ballot, and they could vote on it. And this is something that you know it's a great uh, example of direct democracy that that Switzerland has. And back in the day, they did the same thing with something else. They got enough signatures together to vote on something, and they voted it down. 
and uh, about is 12 I think it was 12 years later uh, they voted on it again and this time that second time they voted yes and that idea that they voted down the first time in essentially the same almost a, a similar numbers was for women to have the right to vote oh my gosh <laughs> so they just aren't ready Right, they weren't they weren't ready. Like this is this is something that it, it can take time, and you know eventually you look back on it, and I'm sure we'll do the same thing with basic income. We'll look back on it, and people will be like, "How did you not have this? Like, how is it such an alien concept? Because it's just such common sense that everybody should have enough to cover their basic needs." And uh, yeah, but we're at this point in time, we're still discussing it. We're still getting the idea out there. And people are still having to work through it and, and uh, you know, work through the, the, the common misconceptions about it. And really, that's another thing about this idea as well is that the more, the more people learn about this idea, the more they actually like it. So it's not this divisive idea that it's, you know, continually kind of dividing people between those who like it and those who don't. It's just the more you look into it, then the more you like it. And that's a, it's more of a time issue. You said if you go on the Reddit, there's people that are on the left that are for it, there's people on the left that are against it, there's people on the right for it, and there's people on the right against it. What are the arguments against basic income? Well, so it, you'll have stuff like, uh, you know, like how we have said so far, you know, that it, it shrinks the size of government. Well, those will actually dislike it and say the opposite. They'll say that it will grow the size of government. So they're saying the way that they look at that is saying that, well, you know, if if government is actually taxing more money and giving out more money, then government is larger and therefore it's bad. So it's a way of looking at it differently. And I think it's looking at it incorrectly because uh, I would consider government size as being, you know, just how many members of government are there, like how many how many departments, how many employees, you know, how many how many are involved in the actual administration of government. And if we shrink that, then I say that's shrinking it. But for them, they'll say that oh, that's enlarging it and enlarging power, and they'll worry that there's a concern that oh, if if more people, if people are all getting a check from the government, then then they'll be more dependent on the government, and therefore they will do anything the government says, and you know will be afraid to to go against the government, like that's that kind of fear, and then like that kind of thing. Again, I just think it's misinformed or uninformed because if you look at the examples that we have, like I th like we've said, Social Security, like Social Security is one of these closer things to it. And everybody who gets a Social Security check, they if you look at seniors, you do not see them as being afraid of the government. You know, these are these are a voting population that vote in larger numbers and it's because true. they a get catered larger. to. Yeah. Like Medicare Part D did not come out because seniors were afraid of government, you know, <laughs> like w w they got a big new program specifically for seniors because they are such a voting block. And you know, same with in Alaska, where you've got these this group of, of citizens who were very much more interested in, in voting because of this. And that's more power to the people. It's not less power to the people. It is. And there's there, you know, right now with the election, there's so many studies coming out about how uh, candidates cater to certain groups. And they were just saying that um, a, a candidates obviously do not cater as much to illegal immigrants, even though illegal immigration is a huge issue because they don't have the power to vote. Right. So you're, what you're saying is right. You know, as you said, it is a form of basic income, uh, Social Security, or it's a form of retirement income. And definitely seniors are totally catered to 
their their electorate is is very powerful to the point where um I, I think like you said they're the largest voting block in in our country yeah they they vote in large they're more active I mean, that's another thing too is that you know i i do think that we'll create a more uh, empowered citizenry like we'll have more people out there getting signatures for the stuff that they care about they'll have they'll be we'll have more people because they'll have the time because they won't be working right the job they hate <laughs> they'll have the time yeah exactly <laughs> Like you'll have more people calling up their legislators and saying, "Hey, this is important to me, and you need to do this, and, and let's meet and talk about this." And you know, there's there's just so much more of this uh, citizen action. I think that'll that'll happen as a result. So there's a fear that the government will become bigger and will become beholden to the government, which you're saying is not the case, or you don't believe it's the case. What are some of the other arguments against basic income? Yeah, another argument against it. Uh, well, the most common one is that it's too expensive, uh, but we also already talked about about that as well. Where it's really it's not that much more than what we're already doing, especially if we already if we cut all these um, you know unnecessary subsidies and, and all these programs no longer need to exist. And and also, I think that it is possible that we could design this in a way that even lowers our income taxes. You know, people can be surprised by that. But that's totally possible. We could we could lower and flatten income taxes and actually introduce something like a land value tax or or consumption taxes or carbon taxes or transaction taxes and you know create these these more indirect taxes that are actually are even more targeted towards the top than income taxes because again most of the income at the top is more like through capital like through capital um, you know essentially money working for them. Mm-hmm. Got it. And, you know, in this world, especially too, where capital is replacing labor, it becomes even more important for us to actually tax capital instead of labor. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, let's let's actually stop taxing income as much and focus on these other things. And that, again, is something that both the right and the left can can get behind. And it certainly points to this. You know, we do not actually have to raise taxes ginormously on everybody. You know, that's not the case at all. Uh, we just need to raise taxes more at the at the top, and we we can do that and lower the taxes on, on pretty much everybody else. And so this unaffordability argument, it's it you know doesn't hold water. Uh, another fear is that people will come in from all over that will be overrun yes. by immigrants and I, I trying believe, to get the basic income. I believe that was one of the arguments that I heard with Switzerland was that yes. because of the current refugee crisis, there was a fear. Of refugees flooding in to get the basic income. I remember hearing that. Yeah, and the and the thing that's uh, it's unfortunate too, because these the, the thing about Switzerland is they mostly focused on the idea and not necessarily the details. Like they were really voting on the right for this to be added, you know, to the constitution, and then it would have been up to the government and you know the people to figure out the details. So the details weren't necessarily important, but. What got what didn't get through that is that in Switzerland it would have been the citizens that got this this money like they weren't part of the of the EU you know they you don't have to just give money to everyone who crosses the border into Switzerland and same thing with the US that you would just give this is a citizens basic income it's not you you don't just get it for walking over the border and saying I want some basic income. And like actually it, that sounds like it could encourage more legal immigration cuz right now Exactly. you know there's a lot of issues with illegal immigration uh, even though immigration's apparently is down in the past 5 years but um right. so that sounds like it could encourage people to do things in a legal way. 
Exactly. Like if you're if you're trying to be a citizen, you know it's important to to cross all your T uh, and, and dot all your I's, and it's a it's an expensive process and it's a long process, and you know it can take ten years to become a citizen. And if you you know mess up somehow, then you have to like start over again, or you you can't do it. And so if you're if you it's a, if it's important to somebody to immigrate to the to the U.S. to get a basic income, then they they have to do it legally. They have to do. They have to go through documentation. They have to go through the legal means and go through all those steps. And if you, there's just no other way to get it. Otherwise, you can't legally get it if you're not a legal citizen. So that is its own. This idea that you know people come in and grab it. It's kind of a misunderstanding that it's a it's a citizen's basic income and not just for for everybody. Well, obviously, you're very, very passionate about it, and I am too. I love the idea. I think it's great. I think it solves and checks off a lot of boxes with a lot of issues that we're having right now in our current system and our current society. What is the timeline for this? I mean, do you think that this will be implemented in the next 5, 10, 20 years? That's a, it's a really interesting question, uh, it, especially if you're looking at country by country. So I would say at any at any point, at any year, we could see the first country adopt a basic income and uh, you know who will be that country it, i have no idea like uh, finland is going to start testing it uh, uh in wasn't 2017 there a test of it, wasn't there a test in canada in one of the provinces or a city in canada yeah delft and manitoba did test the idea uh, of a negative income tax which is a form of basic income guarantee back in the 70s mm-hmm. and so this was we do actually have some of this information and just this is actually we had our own negative income tax uh, experiments as well in, in the US in the 70s it's just also something that a lot of people don't know but we did test this then so there there is there are things that we already know but um i, I would say like a testing is is very much also a a, a communication tool. Uh, it's it's saying you know it shows people that it works, but it also shows people about this idea. Like there's so many articles being written about basic income because of the experiments in Finland, because Switzerland voted on it, because Canada is going to start testing it. You know each of these countries that take steps towards it creates greater awareness about the idea worldwide, which actually builds more support for it which builds more interest in it and more experiments. And eventually we get to the point where someone really actually implements it. So who would that be? I don't know. Like tomorrow China could decide to implement it because they don't even have to worry about like a voting population. They just, you know, would decide to say, Hey, let's, because we, because we're eliminating so many jobs, thanks to technology, you know, like with uh, Foxconn eliminating over, you know, a hundred thousand workers all at once, like uh, and because of the fact that they want a a strong middle class in their own consumer economy, then they could see this as as enabling that. So China could come out of nowhere and do this, or maybe you know Iceland will be the one because there's a lot of support for it there. UK is actually you know just recently Labour has gotten behind this and they're looking to to test it. Some of the the newest news, Canada's looking into it. Um, you know, all over Europe. Places are looking into it. So it's really interesting to see who will be the, the first ones um, to really actually implement this. As far as the U.S. goes, it's going to take some it's going to take some time, I think, you know, because we actually we have to have in the U.S. enough support for it. Like there has to be enough people talking about it and and demanding their their congressman, you know, supports it. 
I agree. I agree. And I think everyone should go to your website where you have a lot of great information, which we'll also have on our website, outoftheboxpodcast.com, a link to your website, your Twitter, and all of your information so people can read more about it. And I would encourage people to get educated on basic income and start, you know, sending letters or whatever, because I do not think, Scott, that there's enough knowledge about that, this issue in the U.S. And a lot, I think a lot of people are scared it's socialism and it's not, it's definitely not. And um, I, I love everything, you know, that you have on there. What are some other resources people can look up? Yeah, so uh, I mentioned the reddit.com slash r slash basic income already. That's great. Uh, I would check out basicincome.org, and uh, that's really the source for basic income news. Uh, if you want to stay up to date on that, you can even subscribe to like the newsletter there. And um, yeah, just it's it's so important this awareness part of it. So you know, if you like podcasts like this, it's great. And uh, you know, if if someone out there has a podcast, cover it. If you if you make videos, you know, make a video about it. If you are a musician, you know, mention it in a song or something. Uh, write about it as a as a blogger, or as a reporter. I mean, we we just need to get this idea out there more, especially. I mean, this is important, and as far as like timelines go too, we're looking at self-driving cars coming in and really just hugely disrupting, you know, the labor market and in you know the mid 2020s, and we're looking at artificial intelligence just like able to do more and more. So I consider this as like we've got a deadline, we've, we're up against the line here, and we need to to do what we can to make sure that it happens sooner rather than later. Yes, I agree with you. I think that this is urgent. It's an urgent political issue that I believe is bipartisan. It's, I mean, this is urgent. Technology is going to eliminate many jobs and we need to take care of um, people in our society and give people the right to free. I, I think this is um, a very actually American idea, even though you said it's being explored in Europe. It's very American because it's yeah. all about freedom. Yeah, it's it's trusting people and giving them the freedom to do what they think is best and on an individual level. And yeah, I think that's very American. Um, and also, just one other thing too is is just you know, imagine how much healthier uh, what a healthier population would do. Like we talk about costs. Like oh my gosh, if people were if people had more money so that less people got sick and less people uh, were put into prison, so we spent less money on healthcare systems and less money on our prison systems, and even just thinking of less people being imprisoned at all, uh, it's just it's such a different society to think of just what are we spending, what are we wasting our resources, both our, our financial and also our human capital, like people, wasting all this on by not having it. And I think it's so important that we implement that and really just change the world for the the better, enable people to do so much more than we're doing right now. Yes, that's beautiful. And what you just said is very, very important because speaking of crime, so much crime would be reduced because a lot of crime is committed for financial reasons. People who are in dire poverty mm -hmm. who steal or do other things or sell drugs or because they can barely make ends meet. So this eliminates that. There's there's so many costs that you're talking about that are eliminated when basic income, there's so many things. It's it's like a preventative measure. It's like brushing your teeth, you know, so that you don't have to go to the dentist and get a root canal. You can't see right. the cost until after it's implemented. You can't yeah. see the savings. Yeah, I've written an article about this where I call it a social vaccine, where you, this really is about immunizing the population against all these things that we're just wasting uh, so much of our, our, our resources and our potential on. 
Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. I'm so glad that you were able to come on and dispel some of the uh, myths and misunderstandings about basic income and, and educate people about the issue. Do you have anything coming up, any books or anything you want to promote or, or anything? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. And, uh, you know, thank you for covering this topic as well. And if uh, if someone out there wants to learn more about this or me, you know, check out my blog at scottsantons.com. And uh, also you can support me. I actually have a basic income uh, thanks to Patreon, and that's patreon.com slash scottsantons. So that's another thing we didn't get to really talk about. But I actually – I have one, so I even feel – a lot of uh, you know the effects of having a basic income, like this greater sense of security, and there's this less fear and worry, and it's just a, it's a different it's a different life just having a basic income. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, guys. This has been Out of the Box Podcast with Rosie Tran. Don't forget to check out our sponsors, HugMeTees.com. Spread love, give a hug. HugMeTees.com. Guys, go on iTunes, look up Out of the Box Podcast, and please leave a positive comment. We just got a couple more positive comments lately, so thank you so much for those people who left them. But positive comments and five-star ratings are the one thing that help the podcast get discovered by new listeners. And also, as always, you can share us on on SoundCloud and Stitcher and follow me on Twitter at FunnyRosie. This has been Out of the Box Podcast with Rosie Tran. 